Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. And today, Jonathan, we've got a special guest in the green room, eagerly waiting to share her knowledge with us. Almost jumped the gun on the applause there. (laughs) Not yet. Fingers getting a little twitchy. Yeah, keep them them waiting. Keep the crowd waiting. (laughs) Yeah, so we got a special guest today. We're going to be talking about... How to write persuasive B2B letters that command anyone's attention, mm. including CEOs. CEOs. Yeah, so the top top dogs. So, uh, yeah, so Joanna is, I just looked up her LinkedIn, you know, little phrase there on the LinkedIn description, whatever that is. It says, helping leaders and organizations build and safeguard the reputation while creating greater visibility She's mm-hmm. public relations and reputation strategist, fractional chief communications officer, founder, CEO of the Bismarck Group, Joanna Broussard. Now you can press the button. We'll bring her in. Oh, she disappeared. There she is. <laughs> Welcome so, to Joanna, the show. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me today, guys. Yeah. You know, Joanna, I knew... What you said was true because you know how you got my attention on the queries. Uh, let me read your title that captured your opening sentence that captured my attention. Yeah, for our listeners that don't know, so we sometimes we'll throw out a query looking for guests. Yes, and a lot of them that reply are just junk. Like they don't right. do any research, <laughs> they don't do anything, they just respond. Actually, I think so. some of them use AI to reply to the queries. Oh, for like, sure. <laughs> But hers was good. So I'm going to read you the opening sentence. It says, 17 out of 18 CEOs said yes. And then exclamation point. And then the follow-up, no AI needed. So I was like, all right, I got to read further. Yeah, that was a great hook. hook. Very, very well done. What even more helpful is it's true. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So this is going to be interesting. We're going to be talking... Uh, Joanna's going to talk a little bit about her business, but I'm interested to hear, obviously we're interested to hear her story, um, sending out direct mail pieces, B2B marketing, um, that really captured the attention of some high level executives. So, uh, Joanna, we're happy to have you on. I know, um, you're in the, you're in the time zone where you're still at work, I guess. So, uh, you won't be sharing a alcoholic you'll you'll be sharing a beverage but it will be a non-alcoholic beverage right <laughs> what is your go-to so you have water right you have some water, I have water and i have some coffee because okay. it is the afternoon but you know yes. coffee's an all-day drink for me do you have a go-to water like is it sparkling or is it just straight plain water i filter my own water okay. and that is my go-to choice i keep it in glass Mm, so no plastic allowed no plastic yeah i like it no we have a we have a water filter on our we keep at the sink for the you know same thing just yeah always having filtered water ice cubes filtered everything so um so yeah that's cool Mm -hmm. all right because yeah we were talking last week our guests had water as well and uh i pulled up a a thing that you know there's now water sommeliers because there's so many different types of water available yeah and now we have water experts um Yeah, it's water. H2O is H2O, guys. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the mineral content, they say, is what makes the difference. You know, Mm -hmm. 
depending on what minerals you have, depending on where you are, all this kind of thing. So, I mean, that's what a sommelier is going to have to say, right? To make his, right. to make himself worthwhile. I mean, your PR, <laughs> you could spin that. Oh, it's a terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible spin, really. It yeah, is. You, you wouldn't want to uh, yeah, take that yeah. client, probably. <laughs> Not. <laughs> all right, well, Jonathan, what do you have up in your neck of the woods? All right. Well, I've got something that sounds really refreshing. It is a tropical lager. Um, wow. Let's okay. see. I've got the, um, let me pull it up here. It is called a lawn chair hot rod from uh, Rheingeist. Uh, this is, I guess, a Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati company, Cincy made. So I'm assuming that's Cincinnati, I guess. Um but it sounded really good. I don't know what to expect here. Easy drinking, freewheeling, tropical lager will get you uh, where you want to go on the double. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll What's see. The fla- what is the tropical flavor in it? It does doesn't it say. say. Um, hmm. It doesn't say. Just, it's 6%. Just a little bit of everything, huh? Just it's, whatever. Yeah, just whatever. So we'll like see. Is it, like is it coconut? Is it, I don't know what tropical necessarily would be. So it'd be interesting to see what the, the underlying tropical um, taste is. It says, no, it doesn't say what flavors. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't. Just tropical fruit. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> it depends on what country. I don't know. They're, they're leaving themselves some room there to modify. If Absolutely. Needed. Yeah. Uh, All right. It's kind of um, scary with the uh, the little art on the front, though. You know, you don't know what to expect. Yeah, the little skull. It's, <laughs> it's lawn chair, hot rod, the skull. Like, there's a lot going on there, for sure. <laughs> I'm kind of in a similar vein, though. Let me pull up mine real mm-hmm. quick. So I'm having Devil's Backbone. Ah, so this is yeah. a Belgian-style triple. Man. Wow. Um, this is 8%. You may be familiar with this from these guys here, the Black Quad, Quadruple. Um, those are the beers that I'm more yeah. familiar with, with Real Ale Brewing Company. Where did, this, but this looks familiar. Where are these guys? I think we've had one of these. We've definitely had some of their beers on here before, okay. yes. We've had the Black Quad, or at least I have. Um, they're in Blanco, Texas. Okay. Blanco, Blanco, depending on who you ask. Um, and the Devil's Backbone is a stretch of road in the hill country of Texas that is presumably haunted. So, oh. So that's why if I you get lost on that, if you run out of gas on that road, you are oh, yeah, in trouble. That that's probably where the Texas Chainsaw Massacre happened. Was probably somewhere along <laughs> the Devil's Backbone. So, so yeah, um, but yeah, cool can caught my attention. Um, yeah, so never drive that stretch on a on a uh, after nine p.m. Or at a, night. Yeah, or a full moon night. Yeah, <laughs> not not where you want to be. Better than a dark night, though. That's right. Dark yeah. rainy night. That's right. Although we would love to have some rain here. <laughs> yeah, no, a uh, hundred plus. What yeah. is it? Uh, uh, That's probably just the heat index, right? I mean, yeah, I think it's supposed to be one hundred eight today. So. Man, mm. crazy, crazy. I feel All right, well, uh, let me pull that screen down, and then. Uh, Joanna, we do a quick cheers, so we'll just cheers it up, and then we'll give it a quick All rating right. from one to five. Let's have some cheers. cheer. Cheers. Here. Oh, mine mm-hmm. definitely has that um, that mm. Belgian triple smell as soon as, you, as soon as you put it up to your nose. Oh, yeah? Mm. Well, you have to score I'll, that. Yeah, I'm going to give this, I mean, it's definitely got that Belgian taste to it, you know, just like, um, I don't know how to describe the Belgian, but if you like Belgian beers, you would like this. It's just mm-hmm. a little richer than your mm-hmm. typical Belgian. Um, you can definitely taste the alcohol content that's a little higher. 
Mm-hmm. But I give it a, it's good. I would give it a, um, like I said, it's a little bit rich, probably not mm-hmm. the best for 108 degree weather if I was on the front porch, but since I'm inside and it's air conditioned, it's fine. <laughs> so I'm going to give this a solid four out of five. Ooh, okay. Good score. Good score. How about, um, so tell us about the tropicalness of the tropical lager. So I know what the tropical is. It's it, To me, it's got a, a little hint of grapefruit. So okay. um, that's what I'm tasting here. A little citrusy, but it, it tastes more like grapefruit than like orange. Uh, or fruit punch or yeah. whatever. Definitely yeah. grapefruit, but I like it. It's um, I'm going to give this, I'm going to score this one a, um, I'm going to score this one a 4-4. Four, four. It's really good. Very nice. Yeah, I like it. Joanna, what do you score your your bottle only water? <laughs> your glass only water. It's a five, guys. A there five. you go. Come on. Functionality. So drink functionality. We're heating up. We need all the water we can get. Yeah, seriously. I've we, got we a bottle around here somewhere. Oh yeah, it's way over there. You could just send okay. us some water. Look, I'm also I'm also drinking coffee, and today I'm actually drinking a New Orleans coffee, which is where I'm from. Mm, so yes. I happen to be drinking today. I'm drinking French Market. Oh, so. very nice. Mm. Yeah. Is that a dark roast? Very dark. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, thought, I like dark roast. I like yeah. dark beers, dark roast dark, coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All the, yeah, yeah, all the yeah. stuff. The more um, potent, the better. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's jump in. This is exciting. Jonathan, I was excited when you forwarded me the email and kind of saw what this is about. So, um, Joanna, we've both been looking forward to this. Okay. So don't let us <laughs> yeah. down. I Why don't you give us, give us a little background on your, your company and yourself first. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to understand, uh, you know, what your, you know, your, your B2B marketing campaign was, if it was in relation to, you know, your own company, I guess, getting, um, you know, developing relationships with these executives, or maybe you could kind of, uh, build up to that and, you know, start with kind of your company and then we'll get into, you know, what you did, some of your strategies there and just how you're getting people's attention. Sure. Um, well, I am a lifelong entrepreneur, even though I have often worked for other people on a contract basis as an employee, I pretty much have had my own company mm-hmm. um, for 30 plus years. Um, always been in the marketing and PR field. Um, I I'm from New Orleans for many, many years there. I was the hot boutique shop in New Orleans um, and worked with CEOs and uh, leadership teams from mom and pop shops all the way to Fortune 500 companies. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've sort of done it all in the business. I'm kind of a generalist. You know, when, you, when you're in a smaller market, you, can't, you almost can't afford to specialize. You kind of got to know everything about the business. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, I've done it all. Um, and, uh, decided a few years ago that in fact, just before Katrina hit about two years before Katrina hit, I decided it was time for a change. Um, it's good time for a change right before a major hurricane. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so I decided to start exploring other marketplaces and finally kind of settled on Chicago. So I have now been in Chicago, um, for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, have just, you know, it's been an interesting transition to go from a market the size of New Orleans to come to a market the size of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, technology has of course made that very easy in a lot of ways because, you know, I still had clients in New Orleans for many years. I've 
had clients all over the United States. So thank God for technology. Yeah. Um, you know, have well, done projects kind of all over the world for clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been for, you know, a girl from a small town in the South, I've kind of been everywhere. So that's sort of the background on my business. I love what I do. I love working with CEOs. They're my primary target. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though I will also work with their leadership teams, with their marketing teams. Um, but most of the time I'm looking to go in at the CEO level and work with the CEO because he's sort of the guardian of the reputation of a company. You know, I always talk about, a, you know, a horse goes where its head goes and wherever the CEO's reputation goes, the company sort of falls right behind it a lot of times, yeah. particularly in smaller and mid-sized companies. Um, yeah. You see that happen all the time. So that's, that's who I am. And that's how I got from New Orleans to Chicago. Um, so, and, and the, you know, and the nice thing is that Chicago and New Orleans, I think this is probably something most people don't realize, but you know, they're sort of at the opposite ends of the Mississippi and believe it or not, Chicago is a French city, just like New Orleans. It was founded by the same explorers that founded New Orleans. Mm. Really? I, I they know. just sort of travel down the river. I thought it was so, founded by Italians. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I thought it was Irish. Well, I don't know. Yeah, no, the Irish. Originally, it was the French. And, you yeah. know, and people people want to know, you know, well, you know, the politics in Chicago is, is crazy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They've <laughs> learned everything they know about bad politics from New Orleans. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, a lot of similarities between the two cities. And so it sort of made the transition easy in a lot yeah. of ways. Well, uh, to me, Chicago's um, really well known as like the mecca of direct response. Like they were the ones that a lot of the yeah. top direct response copywriters from the 20s and 30s, mm -hmm. you know, were came up through Chicago. They had one of the first, a lot of the ad agencies, the direct response agencies were there. Yeah. The brands were over, the brand agencies were in New York and then the direct response were in Chicago. But, you know, this has also been, you know, this is sort of the home of some of the biggest independent PR firms. Edelman is headquartered here. Uh, Golan Harris, which is now part of one of the larger PR groups. But yeah, there's, it's a really interesting market from a lot. And you're right about the direct response, but it's kind of got everything here. Um, and, and PR has been a big part of, of the Chicago uh, yeah. marketing communications business. Mm -hmm. It really has. Well, tell us about that. Cause you went into a place that had a lot of people doing what you were doing. Yeah. And you actually decided to use that as your advantage from what I understand. And that's kind of how this whole, yeah. kinda, these letters kind of happened. So tell us a little bit more about that and how you broke into this market. And then we'll kind of unravel it from there. Yeah. Um, so when I sort of made the decision, I thought, okay, you can't just go up there and open a business. You don't have a network. You don't have any contacts. I had friends here. You know, I had been coming here for many years with clients to attend conferences and things. And I'd made some friends along the way. I had, you know, some childhood friends here that were pen pals um, that I knew through my family. And so, you know, Chicago ha always had a kind of a special place in my heart. Um, and so, you know, I sort of looked at five or six big cities that I thought about moving to and eventually narrowed it down to Chicago. Um, and so I thought to myself, now, how am I going to do this? Because 
I really can't go in there and start a business. I don't, like I said, I don't have a network. So I thought, okay, let's look at getting a job. Because this um, was really like pre-internet too, right? I mean, there wasn't. There was internet. There was internet. Not everybody was using it. Not like right. nothing like what we have today. I yeah. mean, it was rudimentary. It was probably at that point about ten years old. Right. Um, and you were still getting AOL disk in the mail at that point. Yeah, no, I was. I had already. You know, the one thing. You know, I'm a little bit of a technology geek, so okay. I was already looking to what's the next trend. Get me on the get me on the next train because this one's way too slow for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so I used all of the resources that were available to me electronically. Yeah. Um, and used. What the was internet. that right after dial-up? Was DSL? Was that the next thing? Oh, I can't even remember. This is so long ago was. now. Is that right, I can't Jonathan? remember what I was on. I, I think little I had Gen already. X, little Gen X yeah, trivia. I think I had already gone past the, the dial-up DSL stuff yeah. and, and was already on, you know, modems and things like that. Like yeah. I said, I was way, way ahead of many, many people. And, you know, I was one of the first people to carry a cell phone full-time down there. Cool. So, you know, it, it's, I just, like I said, I'm a geek. Um, and I, you know, I love gadgets. And so, you know, the internet is forever fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I said, okay, how am I going to do this? I got to figure out, you know, how am I going to break into this market? So I thought, okay, you're going to have to get a job because that's how you're going to make some connections. And then you can decide, do you love it? Then great. I'll stay in the job. If you don't love it, then great. I can always fall back. I know how to sell. I know how to get clients. So boom, boom, boom. Uh, and then I thought, okay, now what? How are you going to do this? Because again, I'm coming from the outside. You know, Chicago is very much like New Orleans in many ways. It can be very provincial. If you weren't born, raised, you know, your family hasn't lived here for 100 years, nobody wants to talk to you. Yeah. So I thought, okay, the easiest, best thing that I can do is try to connect with people that I consider my peers, other CEOs. Um, and so I came up with this strategy. I'm going to go through, I'm going to look at all the agencies that are here, all the big PR agencies from the top of the heap to the bottom of the heap. And I'm going to figure out 15, 20 that I think I want to talk to. So I, you know, I went on the internet, I went to the library, whatever research resources I had, I used, um, and I want to pause there for a second, Joanna, because that's that's very interesting because you did the exact opposite. What I think most people <laughs> would would just naturally do. I mean, you went straight to your comp, what would be your future competition if you saw them that way. But you you didn't see them that way, did you? You didn't see them as no. competition. No, because let's face it, if I'm if I'm going to work for somebody, they're not my comp. And the truth is, you know, I even though we're all out there vying, you know, it's like watching a tennis match, you know, they kill each other on the court, mm -hmm. but when they're in the locker room, they're buddies. Right. And it's, and the, and the marketing PR business is a little bit like that. You know, yeah, if we're pitching against each other, I'm going for it. You know, I don't care if you're my best friend, but you know, when we're outside of that competitive world, you know, a lot of my good friends are PR people. Right. Yeah. And marketing people and advertising people and copywriters and video producers. Yep. You know? So it it for me, the only people who could tell me whether or not I could transition to this market 
were people who were already here doing what I do. Um, and so I thought, okay, you know, let's figure out how we're going to do this strategy. So I started with where I always start, which is let's look at who's there and who's actually reachable. And so ultimately I came up with a list of about 18 different companies and some were the very, very big firms, some were middle-sized firms and some were smaller firms. And I decided, okay, how are you going to get these folks' attention? They are CEOs, just like you are. Yeah. They're busy. They're, they got a million pieces of paper that cross their desk every day, a zillion emails. You know, they're on the phone. They've got staffs ranging anywhere from two or three to two or three hundred or a thousand. Yeah. So how am I going to get their attention? And so... The first thing I, you know, for me, research is it. Anybody that's kind of in the PR field, in the marketing field, research is really the, the thing. Um, you know, I'm sure as a copywriter, Sean, before you start writing, you go out, you do your research, and you yes. try to figure out, okay, what's going to help me create a piece of copy that's going to make this client stand out? Yeah, because so it's, it's that one piece of research yeah. that can be the difference between just that insight that gives you gets you in the door versus doesn't for sure that's exactly right and so you know i went in i did my research i picked my companies and then i said okay let's look at who are these ceos who are the people that i want to talk to you know i wasn't looking for a job i was yeah. looking for information hmm. and i was very clear what i was looking for I wasn't, if a job was the result of this process, great. If it wasn't, that's okay too. Because once I went through this process and I did all these meetings, I had a basis on which to move forward. So essentially I picked those 18 companies and then I started doing research on each CEO. Not the company, but the, the, the CEO, the person. So that's the oh, key. I did company research too. Yeah. That's but you wanted to find out about them. I really started with company research. Right. But <clears> now <throat> I'm narrowing down and I'm targeting now. And mm -hmm. I'm saying, okay, here's the 18 people I need to talk to. Because out of those 18 people, they're going to tell me every, everything I need to know about Chicago. So how did you how find I, out about these people? How, how did you? Well, I want to. I want to make, emphasize that point too. You said you were looking for information and then you just said, Joanna, you were, um, you wanted to know about Chicago. Yeah. yeah. You weren't looking for a job. You wanted to understand the environment that you just landed that's in. Exactly right. And that's, that was your interesting. I think that's what probably your hook that started making things interesting for them as we'll hear in the letter, but yeah. So yeah. So keep going. Yeah. So, you know, I, started researching them as individuals. Okay. Where was our common ground? How could I relate to these people? How could they relate to me? What could I use as an opening sentence or an opening paragraph to begin to build a relationship? What did you, how did you, I mean, this was, this was years ago. So what, what kind of means did you go about 
doing research. I use the inter- I use the heck out of the internet. Sure. It was very rudimentary, but but again, I'm a researcher at heart. You yeah. know, I have a degree in history. I have master's work. You know, if you're doing big time university work, you understand the power of research. Mm-hmm. And I understood that. You know, I grew up in a family of educators and lawyers and and people like that. So I understood the power of research and well, the, the power of knowledge. Well, I would think PR companies leave a pretty nice trail just because they're kind of in the business already. So they, yeah. you know, they leave, they leave a nice trail for you to follow for sure. Yeah. You know, and yeah, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't on the Internet, but but there was plenty that was there. And if you know how to look for it, you can find what you need. So. You know, I looked first at their company profiles, Mm -hmm. you know, LinkedIn didn't even exist back then. You know, uh, I think who knows what was, what was the social media uh, leader in those days. What year Um, was this? Just 2003. So this is, yeah, this is 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah so, that was yeah, MySpace. It's dark age. It's, you know, <laughs> I doubt the here. CEOs had a MySpace page. Maybe. Yeah, probably. There you go. Um, but, you know, I went onto the internet. I looked in the research sites. When I had to, I would hoof it over to the library and go through microfilm and whatever the library had available research. I mean, you know, make myself crazy. Thank God those days are over. Uh, <laughs> But I, the first thing I did was I, you know, I looked at the company profiles that were available on the internet on what rudimentary corporate sites existed back in those days um, and began to sort of form a picture of who this person is. And then the interesting place that I ultimately found out was found out the most about people was to look at the sort of the, you know, the society pages, what organizations were they volunteering at? What were they doing in when they weren't at work? Um, What were they doing as professionals in the industry? So I would look at trade publications to see what kind of projects they were involved in. Mm -hmm. Um, I would look, as I said, I'd look at their background. What did they do? Where were the similarities between us? I love that idea, Joanna, of what are they doing while not at work? Mm -hmm. I don't want to just run by that because I think, Jonathan, you've told a story on this podcast before about um, how you connected with the CEO through baseball. Yeah, exactly. Commonalities. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of CEOs are involved in charities yeah. Absolutely. And they pick them very carefully, right? Because it reflects on their business, on themselves. Absolutely. So if you can tie into that kind of stuff, it's so much more emotional too mm-hmm. than yeah. just, you know, running the business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I really looked at who are these people as people and as professionals. Yeah. Yeah. And and as peers for me, even though, you know, I ran a much smaller company, it was a substantial company. Mm-hmm. And I had some dynamite clients. Mm-hmm. And I had done a lot of work in the legal business as a litigation communicator. You know, not a law firm marketer, but a litigation communicator so working you- on big, high profile cases as the media strategist. <laughs> 
So this was, I mean, this is pretty time intensive. I mean, you're talking 18 companies. So, you know, you know, you're doing research on all of these. I mean, what, what would you think the time that you spent just, you know, on the research side of it before you even began writing letters, how much time did you spend just fact finding? Probably about two hours a company. Okay. So about 36 hours over a couple of weeks, you know, I mean, it's, that's intensive work and you can't really, you know, it's not like you can sit down and spend an eight hour day doing this stuff. Right. But I, you know, I was also getting ready to make a major move. I was about to pick my whole life up and move it to Chicago. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, before (laughs) I did that, I kind of had to know what I was getting myself into. (laughs) Um, So it, you know, it was worth the time and effort and, and it's always worth, worth the time and effort because, the more you can figure out where the similarities are and where you all are working and you're copacetic, the easier it is to make the connection. Because let's face it, business is about relationships. You know, if you end up doing business, great, but the relationship is the thing that makes everything else possible. Mm-hmm. So you have to start there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was about what could I find for each of them that would help me just open the door. And well, what say, kind of stuff did you find? I'm curious, like oh, some of the big you know, stuff that jumped out at you. Like I know as a copywriter, when I see a fact or yeah. I see something like it, like lights up in 3D. Like I'm like, yeah. like oh, that's the thing. So what kind of stuff for you was like, okay, I'm researching this person. What kind of stuff stood out to you? Not necessarily, because I don't know that you always know what to look for, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. Um, The things that sort of, uh, number one, I kind of wanted to know how active they were in their communities and looked at the different types of nonprofits. Did we share any similar, like, you know, I was on the board of the Urban League in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I looked for other people who had Urban League. Um, and you know, big brothers, big sisters. That was another board that I had been on. I looked for people who were active in chamber. I'd done a lot of work with the chamber down and I looked for people who had done a lot of economic development work, um, through either big committees, um, that ran adjunct to sort of quasi public private partnerships. You know, I looked at things that were similar to the kinds of projects that I had either done either pro bono or for clients. Um, And so looking for that kind of stuff. The other things too, is I looked for people who were, who had kind of done it all in the business. Um, You know, what I noticed most is that outside of smaller markets, most people are very siloed. Mm-hmm. When you're in a smaller market, you almost can't afford to be siloed because there isn't enough clients to go around. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the you know in the pre-internet days, you were local for the most part. Sure. You ended up with a regional client or a national client, you were lucky. Um, but for me, it was trying to find those people who came up through those agencies and through the business and had more well-rounded backgrounds. And that that I was able to find with quite a few of them. And so I was able to use that kind of stuff. So lots of different things. Mostly I stuck to the business side, mm-hmm. but where the personal stuff paid off was when I actually got the meetings and yeah. could then ask them in those okay. meetings. <clears throat> I see you're involved in X. Right. You know, 
what's it like, you know, yeah. what, what drew you to that particular so nonprofit? That, okay. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So that's so, stuff you bring you know, up in a meeting, obviously. Yeah. Connection. Yeah, you know, the liking exactly. effect. Yeah. Commonality. That's, that's so again, if you, if you're lucky enough to get these meetings, Part of, you're not going in there. You're not going to sell them on the first time. First of all, forget selling. You're not selling. Yeah. You're going right. there to build a relationship. Right. Yeah. But you got to get the meeting first. So, <laughs> which is a challenge. First. I mean, I mean, 17 out of 18. Um, yeah, it's, a pr- it's a pretty good number. So, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I look, believe me, nobody was more shocked than I was, I, you know, cause you just, the truth is, you know, you're, and, you're shooting in the dark here. And these don't make it like, you know, Sean and I know these types of letters don't make it to see the desk of a CEO because they have to get, they get filtered in by the gatekeeper first, right? I mean, the gatekeeper mm-hmm. sorts it out and they're looking over it. So you had to do something that was, you know, even on the outside, you know, before they even looked at the letter that got the attention that made it to the CEO in the first place. So if you would, I, I'm just curious, what did you do? Was this a simple one page letter that you stuffed in an envelope? How did you make the envelope look? How did you send it? I mean, we're, we're curious how, how you structured yeah. that. So first of all, I did not send it as my company. Okay. I sent it as myself personally. Cool. Because that's, again, that's I, you know, I, didn't want to come at them as another company. No. And I wanted them to get to know me because Mm -hmm. number one, if any of them were going to hire me, they were going to hire me. Right. They weren't going to hire my company. So Mm -hmm. they needed to know who I was and what I was capable of. So all these letters went from a personal email, my personal address, all of that. The secret to it and how I got past the gatekeepers, and I, I don't know if it will work now, but then I sent every single one of them by Federal Express. I think I it works sure. today. I sent every single one of them by Federal Express. <laughs> I can testify it works today. Personal and confidential. Yeah. That is where I use my business address mm-hmm. was on the return address of my federal express. Yeah. But you put and your own name. You didn't put the business name, right? On my letter, it was in my, on my letters. It was my personal name okay. but on the return address on the federal express yeah. was the business. Right. Okay. So a gatekeeper didn't know, is this something he's waiting for? He right. or she is waiting for. Was it like a FedEx overnight? Did you do like an overnight FedEx? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's like important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was magic. Yeah. I mean, basically, I heard from all 18 people, only one, only one did not see me at all. And only one sent me to somebody other than the person that I addressed the letter to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. All right, so walk me through this, Joanna. I am, I am CEO X. <laughs> I get your FedEx envelope. I'm like, oh, I don't remember asking for this, but it's overnight. It's personal and confidential. It must be important. Yeah. I rip open the little thing on the, you know, the cardboard envelope. 
I pull out a couple pages. Is it one page, two page? Two page. It was a two page. It was in an envelope inside. So. You use nice like resume paper. Did you yep. use? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I pull out this nice 20 pound paper, a little textured, probably linen texture. I'm reading it. What is the first line I see? The first line you see is, it's not often that I find another person who has, quote, done it all in this business. Mm. They are few and far between. Going straight for that ego. I like yeah, it. appeal to the <laughs> ego. We have this in common. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, that that was my best that was one of my best. Can you repeat that, was, that one more time? Just Yeah. It's not often that I find another person who has done it all in this business. Mm. They are few and far between. Oh, yeah. Stroking that ego. I love it. have this in common. <laughs> <laughs> that I love nice. that because you, 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 the association. So what's that second line that you followed it up with? After you stroke the ego, you, then you say... It's, this is all the first sentence. So uh, appropriately, grammatically dashes and dots and various. It's not often that I find another person who has done it all in this business. They are few and far between. Yeah. And it seems we have this in common. Yep. I love that because you're putting yourself as a peer. Yeah, that's right. You're not groveling. That's right. You're saying, hey, I'm just like you. Yeah. You're on the same exact level. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I love Great that. positioning. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you, you know, you have to understand who your target is. Mm-hmm. You know, I thankfully, because I was a CEO and I ran a fairly sizable firm, mm-hmm. I understood that they're busy. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they want, if you're going to send me a letter, you better grab me in the first seven seconds. Cause it's over. Yeah. Well, there's two parts to that. First of all, you are putting yourself on their level, but then you're also, as you said, you're also, it's empathy. You're empathizing with the fact that they, they're busy. You know that they, you know, they don't have time for trivial details. You know, they have to get right to the point. And so. So, you know, the letter builds from there. Yeah. And again, the next piece, you know, that first paragraph, that's the first sentence of the first paragraph, but the Mm -hmm. rest of the paragraph is sort of where I take and really put us as really as peers. Yeah. So the second sentence says, there's something very important that those of us who have worked across every practice area in a multitude of industries bring to the table a visionary perspective that enables us to craft the kind of innovative strategies that solidify our clients as leaders in their industry. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that this is that she gets me, right? Yeah, like right. that's that's what they're hearing here. Understanding. When I read this. Yep. Like, oh yeah, she, she this is definitely yeah. one of my peers. This is not somebody just pitching me. Right. Like get me. I wonder where this is going, but there is a little bit of like, I wonder where this is going. Yeah. Like why curiosity. did you send me this? Right. So now you've got them hooked. You've got a little curiosity brewing. Mm-hmm. So then you carry on from there. Yeah. And then I, what I started to do in the next paragraph is really begin to build my credibility. 
and okay. why they should talk to me. Okay. Why they should give me 30 minutes of their time. And how did you do that? It, uh, the rest of this, okay, so the next piece is relevance. Here's where we are relevant together. Mm-hmm. So the second paragraph starts over the past 20 years as a public relations, marketing, and corporate communication strategist, consultant, and business owner. I've worked with clients from Coca-Cola to waste management to create innovative campaigns and programs. I have extensive experience in many practice areas and in industries ranging from finance and healthcare to the cultural and performing arts and environmental services. So they can plug right into that. Yeah, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coca-Cola is one of our clients too. So they know that I've worked with sizable clients. Mm-hmm. They know that I've worked in lots of different industries. They can then completely see how this is relevant to them because they've done the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So again, another relationship building paragraph. Mm-hmm. Well, I could also see it on the flip side. I could also see it as like a little bit of like, ooh, new competitor. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like she's yeah. Like, yeah. my clients. Like, ooh, maybe I should pay attention to what's going on here. Look, I, I can see that in the back of their mind a little bit, maybe subconsciously even like, oh. If you're, if you're going to, look, if you're going to take the chance to, you got to be risky all the way through this. It's yes. always a risk to go after a CEO as a client. You can't be faint of heart. No. Because you're going to get a lot of rejections. Yep. Much more than, than you will at a lower level. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so you're trying to get this person's attention you have to build some credibility for yourself right at the beginning. Otherwise, they're not going to read any farther. Social proof. I mean, you got some elements of persuasion in there, you know, liking, obviously, similarities. Yeah. Uh, social proof. You know, you're including that. Um, Name dropping. Yep. Yep. You know, just enough. You know, I didn't overdo it. I didn't give them 20 clients in that, in that list. Right. I gave them just enough to say, Hey, right. I've played with the big boys. So yeah. I get where you are, Mr. $500 million CEO. Yep. That's right. You know, I get it. I know what it's like to play at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, I may be in a little town like new Orleans, but you know, I've done some big stuff. Yeah. So then where do you go? So then you go back to your research and you say, okay, part of your research is what's the trends? Mm-hmm. What's the trends in the business that you can pull in here to say, hey, here's what's coming down the pike. And if you haven't seen it, let's think about it. Mm. Insider, insider secrets, right? Like, yeah. like I'm being helpful, adding value. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that third paragraph is where I come in and I say, And now I kind of start to tell them what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I now find myself with the desire to use my skills and experience Mm -hmm. gathered from working with such a diverse client base in a larger arena. And I'm considering a move to Chicago. Right. My approach to the business comes from a marketing perspective, which I believe provides a tremendous competitive advantage as public relations begins to take a greater position in the client's marketing mix, as well as in the boardroom. Sure. So at that time, PR wasn't always at the table. You know, we were sometimes pushed off in the corner. Mm -hmm. I was lucky 
the CEOs that I worked with down in New Orleans, they were always calling me. Can you come sit in on this meeting mm-hmm. and be another pair yeah. of ears for us? And then tell us how, if we take this on, how's it going to affect us? What's going to, how are we going to either promote it? If it goes south, we want to know how can it go south? How can it damage our reputation? How can it come back and bite us? You know, but a lot of times PR was not at the table. I was very fortunate. I had great relationships with my CEOs. Sure. My guess is you created that, not just, it didn't just happen. You created that. Yeah. And you do, you have to create it, you know, yeah, you have to create it and, and you have to have respect for, you know, their time, your time and for what you do. And you have to get them to also respect what you do. Even if you're a peer CEO, they've got to try, you know, people don't always understand what PR folks do. Right. (laughs) But you can see that just doing these letters, I mean, doing these letters is just like doing any kind of a campaign. Yeah. Start with the research. There's a lot of, you know, 50, probably 80% of what we do is all this background stuff so that when we finally go to the New York Times and pitch the story, it's pretty much a done deal. Because right. we've done all that background stuff on those reporters, on the editors, on what sections this particular story can go in, blah, 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 blah. Make you their know. life easy. Yep. Yeah. You know. And so that's, you know. The did, they, part- did, did you ever get any feedback from, I mean, would they tell you, like, I mean, in a conversation once you get the meetings, like, I mean, your letter is kind of, is pretty good. Yeah, I get I mean, how'd you find out about me and how'd you, you know, you know, they were, I'm sure they were asking questions, right? They're like, they were, they were, I think they were curious about why I wanted to come to Chicago. Um, (laughs) And there was lots of, you know, there was lots of reasons. I mean, I was done in New Orleans. I'd done every major company that I, that was there Mm -hmm. had been clients. You know, one of my big clients was the business council of New Orleans in the river region. It was made up of the 50 top CEOs in the Gulf South. You know, once you kind of do that, you've sort of done it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I just, the other thing too is that many, almost all the CEOs to the letter had a New Orleans story. And mm. they were just dying to tell their New Orleans story. Interesting. Um, you know. So they had some tie-in with that, with that, yeah, with that area. You know, I don't, and I, and I will say, I don't think being from New Orleans hurt at all. I think it really helped. Um, because they'd all been there a thousand times for mm-hmm. conferences on vacation, you know, for Mardi Gras for different things. I mean, it's, it's a great conversation starter. Um, and so they all had stories that they wanted to tell. I had one, I had one CEO said to me, does anybody work in new Orleans? I said, yeah, <laughs> sure. No, we all just kind of, <laughs> you know, no, we just gotta hang we out. just wait for uh, every week. Mardi Gras. <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, we work. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so, you know, it was, it was an, it was a very interesting experience to meet with all these folks. Okay. Um, So, so you got 17 meetings. Yep. Right. Out of those 17 meetings. Yep. How many of those ended up in business for you? Um, probably maybe two, only two. Still, you know, I mean, that's, 
Yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean's, Sean's deal about com, uh, being a competitor, you know, one thing is when you've been a lifelong entrepreneur, the hard thing is to suddenly decide you're going to get a job. Right. Yeah. And, you know, on the, on the QT, when I would, when I would run into these guys away from the office, one or two of them actually said, you know, you had so much stuff that we wanted, yeah. but we were afraid because you're an entrepreneur and we could see you would come in here, make all these connections and two or three years later, you'd be gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, so yeah. I, you know, I think that played into it a lot. Well, but still two, two, two business deal. I mean, two, uh, yeah. you know, they weren't big, big deals, but they were enough to make me feel, worth your time, though. you know, yeah to make me feel like, yeah, you can, you can do it. You can make it in Chicago. You can mm -hmm. find ways, you know, it's a tough marketplace cause it's really big. Um, and, and it, there are very few centralized things like you would find in a smaller market. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very, you know, it's a very fractured business community. It's everywhere. Um, and business, you know, you, you know, you could be working next door to a $5 million business and not even know it. It, you know, it's that kind of a city. Um, but it's, it's a really interesting marketplace. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, this letter helped me say, yes, I'm going. Yeah. Um, that's, and, and that's, that's interesting. Cause you, so you, let's say you had two hours per, you know, per company, per CEO. Yeah. You had 20 or 30 bucks for the FedEx, you know, back then. Um, yeah. So it's not a huge expense. I mean, it is some time, it is some money, but it's not huge. No. What would you say the overall ROI was on that, let's say 40 hours and, you know, 20 times 20, 400 bucks worth of FedEx? Um, like a 95% well, response rate and um, yeah, so what what, like a 7% close rate. I'll, I'll tell, uh, yeah, you know, uh, like I said, I really wasn't looking for a job, but one of the things that I, that did happen through this was I actually ended up meeting a headhunter. Mm -hmm. okay. And interestingly enough, one of the firms that was on my bigger list that I didn't go and see, I ended up actually getting a job at. So okay. the ROI on the whole thing probably ended up being, um, uh, I don't know. Six figures. Yeah. Not bad. You know, I mean, because I, you know, I got a senior vice president job. So yeah, there you go. You know, you so, got what you wanted. Yeah, I mean, that's it, the bottom line. You got what you wanted. It gave me a foot in the door. Yeah. I ended up, like I said, working for a company that had been on my bigger list. You know, when I, when I did, when I did the original list, I did like a list of about 35 and then I said, okay, let me do a quick scan on these 35 and then pick out what's a reasonable amount. And the, this particular company was actually on the next tier up. Right. Um, and so, you know, it, 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 uh, they never did get a letter as it turned out, but it was, you know, it was so strange when I ended up there and I went back to that original list and I said, Oh yes, I remember these folks, you know, this headhunter called me and said, I have this job, you know, and you, and I think you're a perfect fit for it. So that's interesting. I've always noticed that yeah. when you take action, um, universe, whatever you want to call it, like it, 
pushes, it gives you something back often from an area you're not expecting, not from the 18 letters, but just because you, you have the faith and the perseverance and the, and the savvy to take action, you get rewarded. Yeah. And it's not always from the place you expect. No, I mean, you know, the reality of it, look, I'm a big believer in the universe and I'm very, very, I'm a very, very intuitive businesswoman. And, you know, again, moving into action is critical, Mm -hmm. but being able to do that background research and understand how to build that relationship to begin with, you know, uh, you know, that opening line is worth it. I mean, that's worth our time today on the podcast. I mean, that was, that was gold. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and that's, Look, I have a I have a thing that I call the sort of the billboard method of 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 content. Mm-hmm. If you know, think about your first line or your first paragraph. It's got to be billboard. If you can't capture them in seven seconds, forget it. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and that's as true today as it was back in the old days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the pre-internet, pre-digital, pre-everything we are now. Yeah. Um. You you you. You can't just, you know, I see so much stuff that where people just throw it out there and they sort of fly by the seat. And, and I'll, you know, I fly by the seat of my pants sometimes too. But it, again, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Right. And What's your when angle? When you're going after a C-suite executive, whether it's a CEO or a CMO <laughs> or a CFO or whoever it is, the reality of it is you got to know who you're talking to. You got to understand their world. Yeah. And there is nothing like, you know, what their, what their pain, like also what their pain is. I mean, what keeps them up at, if you're a CEO of a company, I mean, you, you got a lot of sleepless nights. I mean, so, you know, what's your, what's your, what's the thing that keeps you up most at night within your company? Uh, Because you're, you're one big decision away from getting axed a question, axed off the, uh, getting fired. And, you know, so I'm sure that that's always top of mind or, you know, your board of directors is, is probably asking questions of you all the time. Like you got to meet expectations and, you know, I can't imagine being, you know, in that situation or that position, you know, within some companies, I mean, smaller companies, not a big deal, but like larger companies, I mean, it's just probably pretty stressful. So, you know, I, I was lucky enough that most of my clients have always allowed me to go beyond just the PR and the marketing so that I could see and understand how their companies and the kinds of decisions that they were constantly being confronted with. Um, And, and, you know, if uh, many, uh, many of my clients were like regional or division presidents of a bigger corporation that answered not just to a board of directors wholly, but usually to some other level of executive authority. And, you know, it, I got to see that and I got to witness that. Mm -hmm. And that was an education in itself for me to understand how, you know, it is like a big puzzle and you really have to try to find those places where, you know, it, it is pain. You do have to, and, and even, you know, I've done a lot of work for family companies and sometimes even though they don't have big boards of directors and they usually can't be hired and fired, there's a lot of, of 
stresses that are very different in sure. a privately held family run company versus a big public company. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and it's the same with nonprofits because again, nonprofits are usually run by a board and they have funders who, while they don't necessarily get involved in any day-to-day -day management of a nonprofit without their funds, that nonprofit is not going to exist. So their opinions matter. You know, so it's a, it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. So one of my last questions and, and then Sean, whatever, whatever you have, but, um, I'm just curious, how did you close out the letter? I mean, to get that, you know, call to action or the meeting, what yeah. was that like, you know, was it like, so, uh, yeah. So essentially what I did was, at the time, I was flying back and forth between Chicago and New Orleans. Mm -hmm. and I was coming here for two weeks and staying in New Orleans two weeks. Because, of course, I still had clients in New Orleans that I was dealing with. So, you know, I had a, it wasn't like I could just come here and, yeah. and do. Um, and so what I would do is when I, when I finally saw my dates, I would send a batch of letters out. And I would say, I'm going to be in Chicago these two weeks. Okay. And essentially what I said to him was, I would like to, you know, please give me 30 minutes of your time because I would really like to hear your thoughts. You know, praise and acknowledgement in those paragraphs. And then finally, you know, in the close, I just would basically say, um, you know, I, I'm going to be in touch with you shortly. And then I would call. And the minute that I would call, I would get put right through. Had most, when you called, had most of them seen the, by that time, every, had they seen the letter? Every single one of them. Right. Okay. Every single one of them. And I will say that their assistants had already been put on alert to be on the lookout for my call. Oh, interesting. Because Very I, cool. I did not, other than the two people that one who wouldn't see me and one who sent me somewhere else, the, all, all the other ones, basically they knew who I was when I called. Why do you think oh, yeah. that is? Oh, yes, Miss Broussard. <laughs> He's waiting for your call. She's waiting for your call. Do you think it's because, do you think anything, do you think if you had not sent it FedEx, like the urgency of that, do you think that would have been different had you sent it like any other? Uh, yeah, no, I think the FedEx, I definitely think FedEx made a difference. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I've done things like that when I'm delivering proposals to clients and I know I'm pitching against other people, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I put elaborate packages together and have yeah. it delivered by courier. Um, you know, all kinds of things that I've done like that, where, again, this is about how do you stand out from the crowd? Yeah. It's harder to, it's much harder today because everybody does everything by email. Right. But guess what? When you do something by snail mail or FedEx or you get more response today than you do when you send it by email. Definitely. I, you know, I, you know, unless I have a direct referral via email to somebody, they're going to either get a handwritten letter from me, you know, a, a typed letter, or they're going to get something in some other media format right. yep. than email because, you know, they're busy. Yeah. I mean, these CEOs are getting a hundred plus emails a day. Easy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, you know, I have, I run a, I run a basically a one person consulting practice. I hire contractors as I need them to fulfill client contracts. 
but I have four email boxes that come into Bismarck Group and do four different things for me to sort my mail. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you've got, you, you got to understand who you're talking to. And this is all about targeting and research and all the stuff that, you know, people seem to think that in our technology world that we don't need any of that. Yeah. yeah. You know, look, I love technology as much as anyone. It, it helps me greatly, but you can't expect to have a successful campaign, whether it's this kind of a campaign or it's some other kind of direct response or it's an advertising, whatever the campaign is. If you don't have that solid research behind the scenes and understand to the nth degree who your client, who your target audience is and what is the part, what are you trying to solve for them? And what is their problem? Because a lot of times people don't even understand what their problem is. What's the issue? What's the pain point? People don't even understand that sometimes. They just are, they are trying to, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm here to listen. I'm really here to listen and learn because that's how you build relationships. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, Jan, I'll wrap up with, I've got two questions I want to wrap up with. I think you just answered the first one, but if you want to go a different route, you can. You said you've been in business for about 30 years. I was curious, like, what's the number one change you've seen in the last 30 years? And then what's the one thing that has stayed the same? Mm. And then I'll ask one more question after that. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the biggest change, of course, is um, technology. Um you know, it's, if I would have had, if I would have had the tools then that I have now, I'd be retired and living in the South of France. <laughs> um, you know, because I was, you know, I'm, I'm a hustler and I love the world of business and I love what I do. You know, I'm still doing it. Um, so that's been a big piece. I think the big thing right now, of course, everybody in, in the marketing and PR and communications business, everybody's worried about AI. Yeah, that was and, my next question. So yeah, we'll just go there. Um, just yeah. get so, it out of the way. Well, let's get it. Yeah. So you know, AI is the big thing right now, and uh, here's here's my thoughts right now about AI. Number one, I think it's fabulous. It's a great tool, but we have to remember it's a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not a be all end all. You know, it's like social media. Everybody wants to say social media is the be all end all. I'm sorry, it's a tool. It's one more tool in the toolbox. Yep. And AI is one more tool in the toolbox. Yeah. Yes. You know, the nuances like being able to do that research, it may be able to go in and do that research on all those CEOs for me. It will never be able to figure out, at least not yet. Eventually, I think it will. But mm-hmm. right now, it can't go in and do that nuanced work, that strategic work that needs to be done to really make a piece of content pop or an opening to a letter immediately form a connection. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I mean, I love AI. I love what it does. You know, I sit on a nonprofit, I'm president of a nonprofit board here in, um, in my neighborhood for, for our library. And when we do our newsletters, part of what we do is we ask AI to do one piece in some literary figures 
writing style. So like we did a newsletter last month and we asked it, you know, write this thing about, you know, join us as a member in the style of Jane Austen. And yes. it was, it just, I love that. Like, boom, yeah. spit it right We've talked out. about going, that. We put the copy in it spit Jane Austen right out to it. <laughs> it was yeah. fabulous. So, you know, it's got some great uses to do some really creative and innovative yeah. things, but it's not the be all end all. Sure. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I've been telling clients and, colleagues i'm like don't even think of it as a tool think of it as a toy mm -hmm. especially right now because i think you'll have more fun with it and you'll have more creativity with it and yeah. I, I do that stuff all the time i'm like yeah you know writing the voice of mark twain write me a seinfeld episode about this yeah. weird little thing about our business mm -hmm. and it just nails it you know and it's it's yeah. it's, it's actually enhanced my creativity i think yeah, yeah. I, you yeah. know, I love it, but you know, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a geek at heart. Yeah. The one thing that I think hasn't changed that uh, to get back to the second part of your question, yeah. the thing that I, that I think has not changed. And I think it's a, something mm -hmm. that people still sometimes miss is that, like I said, business is about relationships. Mm -hmm. And while social media is designed to try to help us build relationships there's no substitution for that one-on-one, -on -one. Yeah. you know, yeah. spewing out to a million followers or a million. I am, would much rather be here in this one-on-one -on -one with you guys, even though we're not in the same room, we're in a pretty intimate setting and we're pretty one-on-one. -on -one. And to me, that is the thing that has not really changed in all of this, no matter how much technology you have, there's really no substitution for the ability that we have as humans to create relationship. And yeah. if you want to do business, business is about creating those relationships. Well, it's like that letter that you said, I mean, that you, um, that opening line of your letter, you know, AI, I can't imagine AI, you know, writing something like that. Right. I mean, it, AI is going to get right to the point, yeah. but you developed a connection, right? I mean, that's, that's the importance. I mean, you're connecting yeah. on a, on a personal level with people. I mean, CEOs who are at really just people, you know, yeah. ultimately, yeah. and you're connecting with them, you know, right yeah. from the start. Well, you know, business is literally by definition of business is just a piece of paper, you know, yeah. right. It's, it's literally like a set of words that construct a, a business formation. Yeah. And those, those pieces of paper, an LLC, an S Corp, whatever it is, cannot sign checks. No. They can't <laughs> no. authorize checks. No. no. It's only a person that can do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that, that it, it's a human being um, that has to give the authority to say, yes, let's yeah. write this check. Let's bring this person on. Let's Absolutely. do business with this person. Right. So I have a question for you guys before we, before we get into wrap up. Cool. Okay. So I gave you all my secrets. Mm -hmm. Was yeah. it, was it, was it what you expected? Yeah. I mean, it's just that, um, you know, we hear these themes with different guests and different times, you know, and, and just our own experience, but yeah, for sure. Like under, like I wrote down a couple of lessons, find your peers, research, um, there's just timeless ideas, but yeah, that first line that you used was really, really good. I can, I even wrote down the time as mm -hmm. far as a bookmark there um, to just really 
get people's attention. And I, I just love the idea that you didn't go after the business. You went after the relationship. Yeah. Cause it's so easy to get caught up in hitting your numbers, you know, blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't happen outside of a relationship. It happens because of the relationship. Yeah. So if you skip that nuance or that, right. That thing is you just, it goes back out. to that old Dan Kennedy, Sean, that we've talked about in the past, mm. you know, Dan Kennedy. Yep. I, I don't know if you've, you, I know you Dan, read a lot yeah, of Dan I know Kennedy. Dan Kennedy. I haven't seen him in years, but I know Dan. But you know, one of one of the things Dan Kennedy's always said, whether you're in even if you're in B2B sales or marketing, like if you're reaching out to a purchasing person or a purchasing uh, officer or a purchasing manager or it doesn't matter what level within that organization, there is a human being behind that, right? And they have <laughs> you know, they have their own fears and they have their own trepidations and difficulties every day in their job. So you can't be, you can't be marketing or selling to a company. You have to be selling to a human being and you have to know it. it, I mean, you gave a great example. You're, you're selling not to a company, you were selling to a human being and the human being happened to be the CEO of the company. But, um, but whoever that person is, who is the, you know, kind of the person that's going to make the the final decision within the organization, you know, you're going to the CEO for some people, it may be the, uh, you know, the purchasing officer or the, you know, a plant manager or a, you know, a different level within an organization, whoever that is, it's a human being and you're not selling to the company, you're selling to their needs and their fears, their wants, what they, what they have, you know, what their dreams are. So, I'll add one thing Jordan, that I, I kind of took away from this. And that is, I think oftentimes we think these gestures, these marketing plans, these campaigns have to be just these huge, yeah. like I need a million followers. I need whatever, <laughs> right? You sent 18 letters and started an entirely new life off right. of 18 letters. That's right. Like that's Bingo. a pretty powerful idea. Mm-hmm. If you really sit with it, like you can... I have a friend who says, if you make a list of a hundred people and you call everyone and you ask the same question for whatever it is you need, he says, I bet you won't get through 10 before you get a yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty true. I think that's still true today. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're asking it in a shotgun approach by email, probably not. But if you do the research and you do things you're talking about, you can, you can create an entirely new life with 18 people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, uh, uh, it, it was amazing to me to see the kind of response and, um, you know, some of those, some of those guys have retired or moved on, but occasionally I still run into them around Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, we're, some of us are connected on LinkedIn now. Um, so, you know, it's, it has been, it was a, it was a very interesting experience and it's one that I've never forgotten. Um, and you know, sometimes when you grow up in a smaller market, you're much more focused on the relationship piece Mm -hmm. than when you get into bigger markets. And of course, you know, social media makes us think, I think we forget that behind all that stuff there, there are people. Yeah, behind the numbers and the stats and all that. 
yeah, we, you know, we look at all that stuff, but the truth is, you know, it, it's just a person there. Yeah. And, and stat, you know, in the end stats kind of don't mean anything because, you know, if you don't have a relationship with that person, you'd have the best stats in the world, but if you never aren't able to connect so that you can sell or whatever you're trying to, to do, what, did, what, what good does it do? Did you send some follow? I'm just curious. Did you send a follow up like to these people after your? Oh yeah, they yeah. all got they all got thank you notes. Also sent yeah. by Federal Express. I sent That's all awesome. the thank you notes by Federal Express. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's a good lesson too, because you got to finish out the. Uh, you know, absolutely. you had the meeting, and then you. That's she cool called. that you FedEx the thank you notes too. That's cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, you know. I've been in the business long enough to know yeah. when you're going to do it, you do it right. Yeah. And you, and you, and you do very complete work. So. And it's amazing yeah. how long people will remember that. Mm-hmm. Like I've gotten referrals from people at yeah. companies that I worked with 10 years ago. Yeah. that will still send me a referral today. Um, just out of the blue and like, because they've moved on, I've moved on, yeah. you know, but yeah. You know what? I think that's one thing that's nice about you know cell phones today is you can take your number with you and like <laughs> once people have your number, yeah, they can find you or social media Absolutely. too. Like if people need yeah. to find you, right. they can find you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you'll be surprised. I'm always amazed, just you know how far and how long those relationships last. Mm-hmm. They may yeah. not happen every week or every year. It may be five years between them, but you know you'll get one of those connections that you made. 10 years down the road and it's worth 50 or a hundred thousand dollars for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's worth the time and effort to do all the things you did. Even if you don't get an immediate response, there is a long-term payoff uh, almost every time. No doubt. Yeah. Well, Joanna, this has been fun. Yes. Um, Where can people find out more about you? I've got your website pulled up. Is there anywhere else that's uh, Um, Bismarck B I Z M-A-R-K group. Yeah, they can go there. They can go to my LinkedIn profile and direct message me. I'm also, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, I'm, I'm out there. I'm probably not as visible as I ought to be, but I'm pretty visible. Um, yeah, go to my, per, go to my personal page on, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, there I am. There you are. So yeah, use, use that and please direct message me, um, send me an email. Um, cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty out there. So you for can sure. Find me. And who's your yeah. ideal client for Bismarck? Um, my ideal client is typically a CEO. Um, it could be a managing partner at a professional service firm. It could mm-hmm. be an executive director at a nonprofit. But it's usually somebody who's in charge in a position of authority. Um, and I pretty much work with clients of just about any size. I think my sweet spot is probably clients that are running businesses um, three million plus. Okay. You know, three to maybe 50 million, maybe not quite that big, but that's pretty much, you know. So I, big enough to be out there, probably not have their own team. Yeah, exactly. Most, yeah, most of my clients don't have a big team or they're looking to put a team together. So a lot of times I can go in there as a fractional, uh, 
chief uh, marketing officer or a fractional chief communications officer and help them put teams together. Okay. So, you know, lots of different ways because I have such a generalist background that I can work with people. Cool. Um, you know, and, you know, as far as industry, I've worked in probably 40 or 50 different industries. So industry, you know, for me, industry doesn't matter because I've got, first of all, I got background in a lot, but I'm also a great researcher. You're a, you're a great example. Sean and I, we have this ongoing discussion of niche versus generalist. And there you go. You're a generalist and you've got it. She's a niche at PR, but in generalist. Exactly. I'm I'm going to recommend a book to you guys. If you have not read range by David Epstein, we've talked about that book. Yeah. I love that book. He is so on the money with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. It goes against all my copywriting training, but yeah, I think there's (laughs) something to the, the broadness, uh, just because of the, the depth that yeah. it brings for sure. So yep. yeah. Yeah. Well, Joanna, this fun, Jonathan, yeah. you have anything else you want to? No, I like your doors, by the way. I just had to mention yeah, that. Thanks. Those are cool doors in the background. Thank you. I don't know. Kind of look new Orleans actually, you know, yeah. I, old school. I got a porch in the front and a porch in the back. So <laughs> I'm here. I feel very at home. It does feel very much like new Orleans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, very good. Joanna, thank you so much uh, for your time today. And we'll be sure once we post this on our or publish this to the website, obviously you'll get um, you'll get sent a link, okay. and uh, we'll have a uh, a link obviously on our homepage to your website and all that good stuff. So, great! Thank Jonathan, you again. Sean, thank you. I feel like I've spent all the time talking, and the truth is, I would love to know more about both of you guys and what you're doing because it sounds like you could be resources in my network. So, yeah, I've already sent you a LinkedIn connection. So, <laughs> okay, great. There you Super. go. Yeah, we, we can definitely set up another call. Absolutely. Super. Super. For certain. Hey, have a great weekend, Joanna. We're going to uh, send you back to the green room for uh, a minute. And then Sean and I are going to close out the show. And uh, you. if you're, uh, if you want to hang tight there for a second, we'll talk to you on the back end. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks right. guys. Thanks again. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good lessons from that. Um, Sean, my biggest takeaway, obviously she had a great opening on that, but I will tell people out there that, uh, FedEx is, is money. Still works. Money. Money. Yeah. Yes. FedEx. If you're not FedExing to your target, you know, your target market or the, the, your top, you know, prospects in your industry, sending them a FedEx overnight, you are crazy. I think it's funny how people will drop a thousand bucks on Facebook ads to random people, <laughs> but they won't spend 200 bucks on the top 10 prospects in their niche. Absolutely. For, for yeah. a FedEx package. Mm. Like it's crazy. Yep. Yeah. So. Top of mind. It it's uh, relevant. And like she said, it gets it right past the gatekeeper. Hey, this must be important. I better get this to my boss's desk right away. <laughs> yeah. And it, just, it shows there's, you know, a little bit more effort. Yeah, like it, sure. It, it's just so much going on, like subconsciously, yeah. like right. consciously, everything. It's just still yeah. such a powerful tool. Superpower. That's what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Uh, Sean, as always, you can, uh, you guys can find us at persuasionbythepint.com. You can find us on all of your social media platforms, your 
podcast platforms, whether you listen to Apple or Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeart, um, you name it. Twitch. We're, we're Twitch. Twitch. We're, we're, yeah, Twitch is like our, that's like where we spend all of our time. <laughs> which we don't, uh, but yeah, uh, but you can find us anywhere. Uh, and you can also find us on persuasion by the pint. You can find us over at our Facebook group, um, facebook.com forward slash persuasion by the pint. And, uh, Sean, it's been fun, man. We'll see you guys next week. Um, have a great weekend.